In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Support Black Podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The First Year Project, a podcast sharing the stories behind the good, bad, and integral aspects of first-year experiences. Every Monday, your host, Alexis Claytor, breaks down the lessons that we learn from those difficult moments that are truly integral to our growth and need to be shared with others. Subscribe to the newsletter for updates, playlists to get you through the week, and blog posts to hopefully help you navigate through your own first year a little easier. The First Year Project, available on firstyearproject.com, as well as on SoundCloud and every place the good podcast be. Remember, support Black Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble of Black Tribble's fame. And as always, I am joined by my partner. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, Wednesdays, 8 to 10 on G-Town Radio. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are dipping once again into that treasure trove of black film, the 70s, for... Uh, welcome home, brother Charles. The last film. The last film in Afrofuturism, April, and this film, the selection of Vincent Williams. Yes, indeed. For reasons that he will explain to you <laughs> and me momentarily. That's right. But before we go there, but before we go there, we have to go and to- get to the meat of the issue. A joke so funny to me, I had to tell it off mic and on mic. I just want to apologize to everyone <laughs> who took the time to seek out this film and watch it. Here's for here's my struggle sat down for our review. Here's my struggle. Like I really do want to talk about this in a serious and critical way, mm-hmm. and and its position within the, the, the tradition and, and within African-American film and, and, and connect it to Afrofuturism slash black science fiction. Yes. But the inner 14-year-old <laughs> also just wants to tell some dick jokes. <laughs> so this is what I'll be struggling, grappling, dare I say, with mm. throughout the episode. We'll see how Vince does in this uh, tete-a-tete that he has set up for himself tonight, ladies and gentlemen. But first, we have to dip into the feedback that we've gotten from everybody who emails us at michellemission at gmail.com and likes and follows us on Instagram and Twitter as well, including Dan Dinkins. What's up, Damare? 
who has a response and he apologizes that this may be long but do not do not all capitals do not eliminate the feedback portion of the show y'all made that something to look forward to and it's great content for the podcast portion of the show i know y'all had all those voters who hated on it when it was cammy awards time at at (laughs) philly cam yeah uh Specifically, judge number three. Judge number three. The elusive judge number three. Yes. But, Dan continues, oh well, forget them. Because I listen to every show. I've begun to notice you all all have a pattern with this. If the movie sucks, your feedback section is long. (laughs) Good movie, shorter feedback. I know I've meant to mention this a while ago, but y'all brothers have struck a gold mine with this show. It absolutely can be the show that never ends. Sing it like that. Um, sing it like that of the song, if you like. Um, absolutely be like the show that never ends. What's the What's the song he's talking about? The show that never ends. Oh, there is a song that says that the show that never ends. I can't. I can't pull it. I can't pull it, Dan. Maybe it'll come to me in the middle of the show, and I'll just like burst out with a with, with song. Uh, But he has a request for the mission. Please eventually open up to documentaries. Mm. And a great one to start with that I would like to see you do is a band called Death. This is a must-watch. Trust me. Have you have you seen that? I have seen bits of it. Like I started to watch it and got dis- got distracted. It's about the um the punk ro- the punk rock band. Yeah. yeah, yeah, black punk rock band. Yeah, it is cool. It is a very good documentary. Um, uh, it's this is a must watch. Trust me. Uh, also, P.S. I heard y'all talking about coming up to New York. Believe it or not, it's actually harder for me to get free time up here. But definitely let me know, and I'll make and I'll make sure. To make the time. We hope you can make uh, the time, Dan. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. And we're going to be coming up there on the third weekend in June, I believe on June 16th. That's right. Coming up there um, to do some shows. George Carmona has actually hit us up. Okay. Uh, he, he gave us like a, he actually had a list of show of movies that we could select from. Oh, very nice. Thank so you, we'll, George. We'll, we'll it's very considerate. Um, in regards to documentaries, I absolutely don't have a problem with doing documentaries, um, especially because there's been more than a few documentaries that have been put out there to the, um, it, you know, in the movies, in the right, theaters. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I believe, actually, that a band called Death did get a short It did. Run. Yeah, it did. It absolutely did. So that is, is certainly one that we could do. Um I certainly want to do the um, the James Baldwin documentary. I'm not your Negro. Yeah, yeah. I, I really long to do that. Um, we were talking about um, opening this thing up to films that maybe had at least had uh, film festival releases. Yeah, but then were bought by the streaming services. Yeah, which yeah. would allow us to do the. Um, Nina Simone documentary that was on Netflix. Right, right, right. Uh, but then there's another. So definitely, you know, in a band called Death, is definitely one that we can uh, hit on. And even though it was kind of a film, Watch Stack was more or less kind of like a documentary. Oh, it absolutely was. Yeah. Um, but there's a film 
there's a there's a, a documentary that was on Netflix. It's not on Netflix anymore, and I want to see if it is out there. And I don't know if it got a theatric release. I don't know about it, but it's called "I Want My Name Back." And it's yes, the story of the Sugar Hill about gang. say about the Sugar Hill Gang. Man, that's I, a great documentary that's a, too. That's a such that that's is a, a documentary great documentary. That every music artist, not yeah. just hip hop artist, yeah, every music artist needs to see yeah. that documentary. You know what I mean? That is like must, must see. And maybe I talked about this on my other show. I think the thing about the history of hip hop, because there are a couple of documentaries like this. Like, mm-hmm. like there's, you know, I know there's at least one Grandmaster Flash documentary that that was um released in England. Okay. Um, you know, I want my name back. Uh oh my goodness! There's one more on the tip of my tongue. What's the tribe called Quest documentary? I mean, even the tribe called B- Beats, Rhymes, and Life, the yeah. Michael Rappaport documentary. Yeah, I think the thing about hip hop is that it hasn't calcified to the point where you can't get real stories. Right. Like I think the thing about rock, the thing about soul, the thing about R and B. Oh, I know, I know. We were talking about um, the Motown documentary, the Funk Brothers documentary, oh, standing yeah, yeah, yeah. in the shadow of um, oh, standing in the shadow of, of Motown, or anyway about the Funk Brothers. Yeah. And how I've said for twenty years that there will not be a true Motown documentary. Until Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson are dead, because there's it's just not going to happen. And I think there are so many examples of that. Whether you're talking about again soul, you're talking about rock, you're talking. I mean, there's that wonderful. I don't know if you'd call it documentary, but but the, the the concert film of Aretha Franklin performing in in um. In San Francisco at the Fillmore. Oh, I didn't see that. Well, I know you didn't see it. No one saw it because they, they, they're they fighting over the rights. Oh, really? Over the music rights. And it was about to be released. And then it got held up. And I think the thing about hip-hop, in a lot of ways, unfortunately, is that in the Sugar Hill Gang is a perfect example. So many MCs, so many people who were involved in the early stages of hip-hop. Mm-hmm don't control their their you know you know they don't control their story yeah and while that's sad as people who are interested in the history of the music business the history of this particular music the history of the culture it's it, it's it's wide open like like there's yeah. such that you know there's so much opportunity so right. very true very true yeah so we'll, we will definitely dip into some documentaries yeah uh, we have more than a few on our to go through um, we got an email from Katie Fofer. Hey, Katie. Hey, Len and Vince. This is my first time writing to the show. Oh, hey, Katie. I love it. Thank you. I don't know if she loves the show or loves writing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I started listening last year during the Black Vampire Month. Because All right. I love va- vampires. Okay. I found you through the Black Tribbles feed. All right. Yay for the Tribbles. However, I feel as if my missionary conversion moment occurred when you fought over whether to review Event Horizon. (laughs) Since that scrap, I've been hooked. All right. 
I was really excited when you reviewed The Girl with All the Gifts. I found your Afrofuturistic reading of Melanie in the film to be very powerful. I hadn't thought about Melanie's uh, racialization in that way before. I read the book and saw the film last year around the same time. One reason I like the race switching is because I felt as if in the book, Miss Justino, the teacher, mm-hmm. became a little bit of a mammy character whose identity was forged in caring for a white child. Perhaps this is unfair. Miss Justino is a complex character in the book with a rich history that partially explains some of her attachment to Melanie. In any case, I think the movie sidestepped that problem by casting Melanie as a black child. So, what are you getting to event horizon? <laughs> Loving the show, Katie Fulfer. Thank you, Katie. Well, thank you, Katie. If things had worked out perfectly, I, trust me, Event Horizon was oh, coming boy. if it was bouncing back to me. Oh, if this boy. was a, a five-week April. But unfortunately, yes, yes. it's not. It's not. It's a four-week April. It's not. However. We've squeezed in Welcome Home, Brother Charles. October is coming. Yeah. Which will be horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Event yeah. Horizon certainly... Certainly, you know, is is on. It can ride in both genres. So, Katie, stay tuned. And going to our Facebook group, Christopher Goodnight. Hey, Chris. Who has a very uh, interesting nickname. I don't know if you're aware of his nickname, Chris. I am not. Christopher Goodnight. His nickname is... Saint Saucy. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's very fancy. It's very fancy, isn't it? Uh, Christopher Saint Saucy. Good night. He put a um, he put a link on our Facebook group from Shadow and Direct uh, about the Incredibles. Yeah, about how the Incredibles director. Uh, yeah. Oh, Brad Bird. Yeah, this hurt a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't even really want to give this a signal boost, but yeah, go ahead. Well, the Incredibles director Brad Bird uh, <sighs> made a comment about God. why we've never seen Frozone's wife, Honey. Yeah, in the franchise. Oh, and um, I thought it was kind of. I mean, it's a classic comedy trope. You can't do that when you don't. Have look, it's the same issue that has been the issue in pop culture forever. If there is one representative mm-hmm. of a particular demographic, mm-hmm. then that representative's importance is magnified. Yes, if there were four black female characters in The Incredibles, mm-hmm. then the running joke of Frozone's wife, that you never see her. right? You oh, just you hear her, her voice. Right. Like you said, fits very easily into that tradition of the off-camera wife and this, that, and the other. But because she's the only black woman in The Incredibles, so far, I mean, you know, none of us have seen Incredibles 2. Right. So we don't know what'll happen. Right. I I can completely understand why people would be sensitive. And Brad Bird's response was tone deaf and oblivious. 
and and like I was talking to Chris about, like 2018, you you like you can't do that. And like I'm sitting, and, and like I'm 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 sitting, and and like I'm I'm sitting in like the 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 Wakanda like Wakanda's uh, throne room locker room, mm-hmm. and I'm praying that the queens don't tell me to leave the Incredibles alone. Well. During the discussion about including more people of color, Brad Bird addressed his creative decisions regarding Honey, Frozone's wife. She's funnier as a voice, he said, according to Heroic Hollywood. We actually went through all the trouble of designing the character, and the design appears in the movie, but not as Frozone's wife. We had used her design, and she is a hero, but there's not a lot of screen time, though. So that's what he had to say about that. Right. But but he's completely oblivious to the implications of what he's saying about a black woman's presence is only good when it's just her voice. And her voice is right there at stereotypical. You think it's a stereotypical it, voice? It's right it's there. Very, I don't think it's a stereotypical it's, it, it's a little sassy. She, she's voiced by uh, Kimberly Ader Clark. Um, I don't, I don't find her. I, it's a little sassy. I mean, it's it right be, there. It's got a little sass. It's to it, a but, little but, but, sass. But it sounds, it's the sass to me comes off as the typical sass that you hear in a sitcom wife because it, because, you know, Miss Incredible, she has a lot of sass in her voice look, when she's talking to look, her husband. I'm going to say this, like I said, I'm sitting, like I'm sitting and I'm holding like I'm holding my cape that turns into the shield and I have my vibranium spear and I'm sitting I'm sitting on the bench. Isn't there an and, argument to be made about especially in this animated world? Mm-hmm. Especially with a director who we know more often than not, as far as we can tell from other interviews with him and his past work, is a very thoughtful director. Thoughtful doesn't mean inclusive or progressive. Isn't there an argument to be made that in his creative choices in regarding this character in the film, mm-hmm. that he may be not seeing color and just seeing right. the, See, the comedic yeah, tropes. Yeah, of don't it. do that. Don't do don't that. See, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do what? Don't do don't, what? Yeah, yeah, whenever a white person says they don't see color, what they mean is all they see is white. Like I ain't gonna stick with like I'm, I'm like I'm but not. But you know he's not. You know, but you know that it's not all. All he's seeing is white because you have Frozone. Yes, in Frozone, and I love Frozone, and we all love Frozone. I'm gonna just say this. And and I hope it doesn't come to this because I've been waiting to see the Incredibles for ten years. If I got to choose a side between Brad Bird and black women, I'm gonna sit my ass home and not go see the Incredibles. Like I hope it doesn't rise to that. I'm not asking nobody else to do this. This is all I know. I know that black women have always always say that when it comes to them, we don't stand with them. We don't, and and like I said, I, you know, I think I think this is something that has flown under the radar a little bit, and and no one is really talking about this interview. But 
all the pieces are there for this. Well, this game. interview from Shadow and Act has had a 702 shares. Yeah, yeah. The, all the pieces are there for this to be a mess. Because he about to say some rich white guy stuff. Like, I don't see color and this is well, this. he didn't say that. Uh, no, so no, 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 that no, 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 no. But he's he's prom. Like, he's right there. Like, you know Brad Bird is, like, if, if, if somebody presses Brad Bird, he about to do that rich white guy stuff and be indignant and talk about political correctness gone amok and y'all are reading too much into things and then it's and then I'm and then it's going to roll and then I'm going to say damn well, I, the, okay. I'm just saying beat this down like he says that to him in his estimation she's she's funnier as a voice that's because they went he, through wait a minute yeah they what went through it? the trouble and even that even that phraseology they went. They were designing. A, He's no. That's what he said. He well, said we went through the I trouble. I, I understand. I understand what he said. I understand, ladies and gentlemen. If y'all could see Vince's face right now, Lynn, because I'm looking at Lynn. I don't don't. It's going to punch me. I'm, no, I'm not going to punch you at all. I'm trying to come get you. Don't you plant your flag over there with Brad Bird? Don't do it. Don't do it, Lynn. Why? Be, because you're on the wrong side. You believe I'm on the wrong side. If if you, if if if. If it comes, I mean, we talk about representation on this show. Mm-hmm. We talk about the importance of it. I mean, we just, uh, uh, again, we, we we about to all go see Black Panther and his little friends in the next couple of days because we're all on the Black Panther high. And what it means for representation and what it means for images and what it means for black women and certainly for black girls who are always left holding the bag well it sounds like there is going to be black women in this well movie. I, like i said hopefully no it says they are it says they, that's what he says no he said we use the design for another character and she's a hero but we didn't say she was a black woman okay okay i mean that's fair enough fair you, enough you because know. you don't know if frozen and, and i'm gonna say this you don't know that right and i'm gonna say no and i don't know if they'll use the design and make her not black that, that's true right too. and i'm gonna say this i love pixar we all love pixar everybody love pixar pixar i don't know how many ain't, ain't no whole lot if of black you see the character and it's a black pixar. woman how are you gonna feel uh better you will i'll feel better but i do think that and this is sort of goes to what we'll be talking about tonight to a certain degree i do think that the black body is immensely political both its presence and its absence and i think if you have one black female character in the whole film and this particular character all you hear is the voice that you don't know is is if it just like oh she's black but you don't know stop lynn stop don't Don't do this stop of course she's black you don't know you heard me Woman, where's my super suit? What do you need your super suit? You know, she's black. Stop. We all know she's black. She could be Italian. Right, right. Sicilian. Exactly. Right. Raised with a whole bunch of black people. Sure. It's, it's, like, it's best to not think about it that much. And Brad Bird does not have a lot of firm grounding to stand on. And... Again, Brad Bird has now been Brad Bird for 20 some odd years. Mm-hmm. 
So he's comp- you, you know, you know, and you know, this is my my rich guy thing. This isn't even my rich white guy thing. You know, rich guy is useless. Rich guy don't know nothing about nothing. And when I read the interview and I saw his response, I winced and said, "Oh, this could be a mess if it goes somewhere." It could be. And if there, yes, and and you know, we're recording. And if there is a call to arms. I'm standing with the sisters. Well, if there's a call to arms, I'm going to stand with the sisters, too. Oh, I didn't too. say you weren't. I'm just saying, you know, I hope there isn't a call to arms. But if there is, look, and, and you look, they have a point. So, but, but yes, I read the interview. I was troubled by the interview. I, I, like, I, I, I just wanted to go ahead and come out. Let me see it one time before <laughs> somebody tells me I got to leave Brad Bird alone. Because I love the Incredible. Okay. Um, it, people are having fun on the Facebook group. Please join our Facebook group, Michelle Mission, where we had Lynn Marie, Steve Tozen, as well as uh, I want to make sure that I get this correct. Uh, yes, MC Picket Fence, J Webb, all post pictures of the Michelle Mission swag that they got. It's it's so beautiful. Like I just sort of respond with the little love thing from the, I, I, I we're so appreciative. We are. It really appreciative and honored and thankful. We really are. We are, and we're even honored when we get swag like we got from Bougie Square Society Society or Society Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who sent us? He did. As I hold up these shirts. To no camera at all. Right, right. right. These fly shirts. Yes. That a tribe called Bougie. Absolutely. Definitely It's a great shirt. So we're going to take pictures of uh, of them and and post them in a Facebook group and on Twitter and Instagram so people can check them out. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is love, man. That's dope. I I like that. It's not often I get swag. I don't get swag. I know. Yeah. This is cool. In your time of doing the radio, have you gotten it? Have you gotten swag? You got swag before, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, just just sort of, um, yeah, 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 like CDs and yeah. and little stuff. I actually, have one of one of my favorite little things. I have a um, I have a deck of cards from the Big Lebowski. Oh, really? When the Big Lebowski came out, I have a deck of cards from from them. I have a um, I have a bunch of Spike Lee stuff, like like you know, picture books and postcards and. That kind of stuff. And then um, just on the music side, you, you know, just lots, you, you know. But it's one thing to get stuff because you work for somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's one. It's another thing to get stuff with something that you created that people are, you know, sort of invested in. Speaking of getting stuff, we were gifted by Dr. Joe Lex. WPPMLP 106.5 FM's uh, Dr. Lex's Groove. He gave us this book, Black Magic, a pictorial history of black entertainers in in America by Milton Meltzer and Langston Langston Hughes. Hughes. Wow. Isn't that dope? It's a really very dope. Big hardback um, book which has um, 
pictures dating back to the turn of the century. Wow. Of some of the greatest black entertainers of and I and, and this book's got some age on it because this is a used copy. This is beautiful. But so I've got to say that this probably has the the black entertainers of the, I guess, probably the last 70 years. Because yeah, I think it's from the yeah. 70s. Thank um, you, Dr. Lex. Yeah, it is really, really cool, man. It's really dope. So thank you so much for that. It's a beautiful thing. We we appreciate all of it. We really, really do. Really do. We really do. We're going to have to um, kind of like... Uh, mine that book because I mean that's like a treasure trove of it, it really of information is information right there man um, that would be a, a, a good book to do like maybe like a little deep dive on on a binge lounge or something like oh, that oh yeah oh which, yeah which apparently according to everyone we're very overdue we're, I mean we are we're overdue for a binge lounge we've not done one Spock adjacent well, we, okay. Oh, that's right. We're supposed to do a monthly. Do, right? Yeah, so. I so. forgot. I'm like, well, Star Trek's not back yeah, on. Yeah. But yeah, I guess we are. Yeah, so. So we're do, we're do. We've not forgotten, folks. We have not forgotten. We've not forgotten. We have not forgotten. Uh, we actually have some plans coming up in uh, May and June because um, we've got we've, we've got to set up uh, that, that special account that we wanted to set up and do our special thing for those people on that special account that I'm just hinting at and not – saying what it is because it's a surprise and which means Vince is staring at me blankly because he totally forgot. See, apparently it's a surprise for me too. It's not. You just don't you just don't remember. But when I remind you of of it Okay. It you don't know it it rhymes with Matreon. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yes, yes you did. Yes, yes. All right. Yes. I was at that meeting. <laughs> I didn't sign in and go get a chili dog. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we stalled long enough. No. It is time for us to get into our review. Yeah, boy. That's right. And we're not just going to put the tip in. No. <laughs> we're going all the way. Time for our review of Welcome Home, Brother Charles. The color of black, baby. It's a whole lot different than white. I'm a devil. He's the goddamn devil, man. What kind of giant? You let that devil all of goddamn lies on Hey, baby. Ten and three? Oh, man. Why you gotta put me through all this? You know the going rate is twenty and three. Okay. Twenty and three. Welcome home, brother Charles. You done the man's time. Now you're gonna do ours. 
Hey, baby, what's happening? Hey, man, you telling me to wait, man, let the biggest dope push in all of Sunnyside in California out on the streets again? Hey, baby, damn! And I'll take it off. Oh, baby, that's a deal. Dirty, slimy bastard! That's why I meet a man the first chance I get. Welcome home, Brother Charles. A motion picture about the way it is and the way some people think it should be. That kind of hatred brings on mania. Look, I didn't come here to be called a maniac, Doctor. Now, a man damn near cuts my manhood off. Now, what am I supposed to do? Nothing? Tell him to come downstairs. Come down for a moment, dear, please. What's the butter, honey? Yeah. <laughs> Tried to take everything, even his manhood. Welcome home, Brother Charles, from 1975, written and directed by Jamal Fanaka, and starring Marlo Monte, Reith Gray, Stan Camber, and uh, a cavalcade of Hollywood's F-list stars. A proud black man does time in jail where he is subjected to heinous experiments. Once released, he goes about extracting vengeance on those who put him in prison. This both includes seducing their women and murdering them by a mysterious means. This movie that was brought to us by Vincent Williams is the last rung on our April month of Afrofuturism. Yes. And Afrofuturistic black science fiction films. Yes. Welcome home, brother Charles, a.k.a. Soul Vengeance. A.k.a. Soul Vengeance. What say thee of this film, Vincent? So just a little background on my relationship with Welcome Home, Brother Charles. Oh, you have a relationship with this I do. I, I honestly on first-name basis? I'm, I'm very much on first-name basis. Do you call it soul or brother? I call it welcome. <laughs> so my crew, my boys, if, if you will, like, like I've known them pretty much, not even pretty much, my, my entire adult life. By the time I turned 18, mm-hmm. like my close-knit group of friends, I had met all of them. 
Okay. So we basically grew up together. Like, like, you know, we went to school, we had our first serious girlfriends all at the same time, eventually, you know, got married, had kids, you know, really just came into manhood. And anyone who's of a certain age knows that as you get older, it's more difficult to find time to, to hang out. Very J- true. Just because, you know, people have schedules, you know, again, you have a spouse, you have kids, you yep. have a job. So about maybe 15 years ago, we decided to carve out a weekend every year where we would all get together and just sort of hang out. And right. So, you know, we, we, you know, we grill and drink and, you know, we went golfing once we we roasted a pig, like just kind of get together and hang out. So one year, about eight, nine years ago, we said we were going to do a black exploitation theme. Like we're going to watch some black exploitation stuff. And I hosted here in Philadelphia. And the real challenge was that, again, we've known each other since we were 17, 18. Everything I've seen, they've seen. 95% of the time, I was with them. Right, when you saw it. Plus, one of the guys, you know, shout out to my good friend, Les Dixon, my, you know, my brother, Les Dixon. He's a black exploitation scholar, basically. Like, really? like he really does plumb the depths mm-hmm. of black exploitation. Okay. So this was a group of men that I couldn't come in with, you, you know, Shaft goes to Africa, right, or Slaughter's big score, and think that I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. So there used to be a spot in Chinatown here in Philadelphia that sold black exploitation DVDs. Mm-hmm. It was like right on. It was like right across from Reading Terminal. And I went in looking for DVDs, and I see a DVD, and it says Soul Vengeance. Which, you know, all right, that sounds, you know, sounds exciting. And then I look at it and it is directed by Jamal Fanaka. Right. Which, as as we've talked about, Jamal Fanaka is best known as the director of Penitentiary. Right. And really the Penitentiary series. And if you know anything about black exploitation or black directors, he's also part of that group of directors that came out of film school in the 70s um, out of UCLA primarily called the L.A. Rebellion. Mm-hmm. So it's like Jamal Fanak, it's like Charles Burnett of mm-hmm. the Killing of Sheep fame, it's Julie Dash. So, you know, the bona fides are there. So I see it as like, okay, well, it's called Soul Vengeance, and it's Jamal Fanaka, and I've never heard anyone talking about it, so now I got something. Right. Fast forward, you know, as these things do and plans, we, you know, we don't get to, to watching this thing until probably two in the morning. Okay, and at this point, you know, people have been drinking. It's it's like you're meat drunk, and you know, you're eating <laughs> lots of beef. And and I remember, I was sitting on the floor, and and you know, of course, you got junk food too. And and I had like like you remember that you, you know the like that big barrel of of cheese balls, yeah, like like yeah, the yeah, cheese, yeah. you know, like the cheese puffs, but they're in the ball form. Yep, I love those. I do too. I can't really eat because, you know, it's like, yeah. you, like you, you know, my blood pressure. You can't really be eating that. <laughs> no, you like you got to choose your vice. Right. And so but I was sitting because it's the weekend. This is our weekend. We doing this. So I was sitting, you know, halfway asleep through in soul vengeance. And you're watching it. And and, you know, for the first hour. It is a by the numbers, low budget 
black exploitation film. You know, mm. Charles was a hustler right. and and he has a partner and he gets arrested by some cops and you know one of the cops is is has some personal issues because right. his wife is cheating on him with a black man so then you know i'm gonna cut your johnson off and right. next black man i see right 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 and then, then charles goes to jail for three years gets out of jail and and now he's kind of trying to turn his life around and again just very much by the numbers for an hour like one yep. solid hour mm-hmm. then he figures out who this cop was he sees the cop's wife drops his pants shows her his penis and she falls into a trance and I remember sitting and kind of chuckling it's like wow it's almost like his dick hypnotized her. <laughs> Boy, that's kind of funny. She brings in her husband. He goes into the bedroom where her husband is. And there are these extreme close-ups of his face and the corrupt policeman's face. Right. And the policeman is reacting as if he's choking to death. Right. And I distinctly remember, because, you know, I think at this point, like, maybe two or three of us were still awake. Mm-hmm. And it was like, <laughs> it's like he's choking him. He's strangling him with his penis. Right. And we laughed, you know, again, laughed. Film goes on. Because, mind you, you don't see. You don't see anything. You don't you know right. what's. Again, extreme close-up. Right. And then the camera cuts away, so you don't actually see. Goes to, I believe, the, the lawyer who was in his trial is, is next. The prosecutor. The prosecutor. And then it drops the bomb. His penis is elongated. He can control it. It wraps around the guy's throat. And he chokes him to death. Oh, you chose the wrong verb. It coils. It coils around the man. Like a snake. <laughs> Much like black moon. <laughs> like black snake moan. Yes. And that was the moment that I became obsessed with this film. <laughs> because the image is so pure like it's so pure we talk about race we we talk about all this stuff in a, and and this is a country that that just part of our our our, our identity in our bones we are obsessed mm-hmm. and by we i mean white america right is obsessed with black penises yes they're scared of them they want them. They're fascinated by them. All the way back to slavery. You know, we were talking about the lynching museum a few weeks ago. You know, we don't talk about a lot of the men who were lynched were castrated. Yep. Birth of a nation. All about rape and black men raping. And, and the original birth. The original birth of a nation. You know, rape. A couple of years ago, the, the, um, the governor of Maine talked about black men were coming into Maine and impregnating oh, yeah. girls and this mm-hmm. that I mean we just saw we, we just saw a version of this a few weeks ago where our our beloved president 
said that illegal immigrants are raping at unknown at 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 the at the, at, at the height of of how we've been recording this, which is just factually incorrect. Yes. At this point in seventy five. We have all these films where, where you know, these black filmmakers, these white filmmakers, everybody making this black exploitation is is capitalizing on this black sexuality. Yep. You know, these black bucks and this, that, and the other. And for Jamal Fanaka to just cut through all of it and say, F it, let's just have a movie about a killer dick. Like literally a killer dick. And it hypnotizes white women. As it is one to do. And it murders corrupt white men. As it is also. And the audaciousness of it just spoke to me. Like like it really was, again, just this kind of pure image mm-hmm. that I had never seen before mm-hmm. and I've never seen since and you know yeah, that's right. once you start reading about it you see you, you know again Jamal Fanaki's part of the LA Rebellion like this is a guy who is thoughtful who is ra- he's this radical filmmaker and you, you know the funny thing is when you rewatch it like I always say that, that Welcome Home Brother Charles is a film that you have to see the first time so you can go back and watch it again. Because to, let's be very clear. Part of the reason I, I talked about how I saw it the first time is because the only reason I sat through it is because I was basically too incapacitated to turn a channel <laughs> and turn it off. Like I was, you know, I was half sleep and, you know, everything I just said, because the first hour, there isn't a lot of inkling that this thing is going to turn left. No. Th- at hour one. None. Now, when you watch it again, there is a bit of foreshadowing. Like, there's all these images of these um, African statues, mm-hmm. African fertility statues that are seated throughout. And, and even the whole deal with, with the policeman who is obsessed with his wife cheating with a black man mm-hmm. and then goes to, I'm going to castrate Charles right. in, in the van, which... Frankly, I think it says a lot about our view of corrupt police, our view about race in America, that that wasn't surprising at all. Like him saying, I'm going to cut your Johnson off. Like, I don't know if anyone has watched it at that point and said, well, that's unrealistic. Yeah. That could never happen. They crossed the Rubicon. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I think this was a better film in Jamal Fanaka's head. Than what ended up on the screen, mm-hmm. like I, you know, I, I do think you have to do way too much work to get to the stuff, even to the point where the explanation is seated in there, very deep, to where you know I'm going to argue why this is science fiction. Yeah, I'm waiting. Well, you know what happened? Like they actually explain what happens. When did they explain it? There's a scene where the policeman. Before they arrest Charles, they have to disarm a nuclear bomb. Remember at the airport? Remember the suitcase? Um, they disarm a bomb. He uses the same knife that he uses to try and castrate Charles. So that the implication is that the knife is radioactive. Wow. That was... Um 
I guess I gotta say well done because that no, totally no 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 it's oh. not well done at all. It, okay, I, thank you. It took me I, like I I don't know if I ever actually picked it up from watching it. Like I actually read. Read a that. paper on it, oh, okay. and and someone said, "Yeah, because I remember the nuclear bomb, right?" And and you remembered, like, why is this even in here? Yeah, like it's just, yeah, yeah. So because all of a sudden, the the cop who, for all intents and purposes, was a cop, yes, <laughs> was now the bomb. He's about, hey, the seventies was wild. <laughs> the seventies was wild. It was budget cuts. So you gotta be a, you gotta be a vice detective slash drug detective and also have the ability to disarm a nuclear weapon yes. at any given moment. There's been layoffs, mass <laughs> yeah. layoffs. Yeah. So you know, I, I look, I'll, I'll 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 set it down there. I'll I'll, I'll set it down. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! <laughs> I'll set it down there and I'll let you pick it up, Lynn. That's your Afro future. That's your black sci-fi. That's my connect. black sci-fi. Are you out of your freaking mind? It's a, your connect to black sci-fi. It's the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> it's Luke Cage. Oh my god! But with his dick. Oh my god! And I just picked up on that's your. There it that's is. Your connect to black it's sci-fi. Radioactive. <laughs> it actually connects to the whole, the whole tradition. Of 50s sci-fi, where what happened, Lynn? What happens in a movie like them? What's them about? What's them about? It's radioactive ants. And what happens when the ants get uh, the radiation? They they grow. They get big. They get big. Boom! (laughs) Boom goes the dynamite. (laughs) Boom goes the dynamite. Attack of the 50 foot woman. How does she become 50 feet, Lynn? She gets radioactive. She gets radioactive. And she grows. And then she grows. Boom! <laughs> so not only is it Afrofuturistic, but it is part of a long, <laughs> long a long throbbing veiny tradition in American science fiction. But truly, there was only one remaining part of the human anatomy (laughs) that had not been explored through the uh, science of nuclear fission. Um, (laughs) I can't believe that's your... That totally went over my head that that would be your connect to black sci-fi. There's a very disturbing shot. (laughs) Just one? (laughs) Well, it's disturbing in that in this film, which, like you said, is (laughs) insanely low budget. Right? Right. And thus, with its low budget, and despite uh, Fanaka's pedigree or his educational background very poorly done mm-hmm. from the standpoint of filming, editing, what acting, acting, what, whatever that was that Jamal Fanaka was creating on his own that he used in this film and dared to call music. It's all very just it's it's badly done. 
But there is a scene in this film reminiscent of one of the most uh, iconic scenes in film history from The Graduate where Charles goes to one of his victims, and I believe this victim is the prosecutor, Mm -hmm. stands before the prosecutor, and the prosecutor is looking at Charles as Charles begins to undo his pants. The camera flips, much like in The Graduate, when the camera flips to look at Dustin Hoffman through uh, underneath the leg (laughs) of Mrs. Robinson. Yes. The camera flips in welcome home, brother Charles to look at the prosecutor through the legs of brother Charles. Yes. Whom once his pants drop to the floor, we see the silhouette of his penis. Yes. Which we then see <laughs> begin to grow. Yes. At which point we're like, ah, dude's got, you know. Right, right, right. Well in doubt. It's still growing. It's still growing. And growing. Yes. Cut to an overhead shot. Of said penis sneaking along the ground. Yeah, oh yeah. To a paralyzed with fear prosecutor. In his defense, it's horrifying. It is horrifying because this is a fully erect, stark black penis. Yes. With its one eye of doom making its way to the prosecutor's throat. It's a well done scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, if I hadn't been just totally taken aback at what you said, the audacity, yeah, that not only is it this penis that is strangling people. But he is showing said penis. Yeah. Strangling this person in this rated R film. Yeah. There are no words to explain how eerily mesmerizing that scene is. Because you can't take your eyes. Well... It. It's it's interesting. Um, the writer, I think Wesley Wesley Morris, wrote in the, in the New York Times a couple of years ago. We were talking about how you, you know we're sort of going through this renaissance of male nudity on film, mm-hmm. where where you know a lot of penises. Which if if you've watched film in the past 60, 70 years, you know that's always the final frontier like like exactly we're, yeah. we're, you know we're usually using the male gaze the heterosexual male gaze so we're very comfortable with the female body right naked right. on film and there are lots and lots of examples but there have been more penises i think filmed over the past two years than ever 
Yeah. And, you know, and people have argued, well, that's because of changing sensibilities, this, that, and other. But he points out, you don't see black penises. Yep. Nope, you don't. And part of that, you know, circle back to what I was talking about. Like, this really is ingrained in American culture. Yeah. This, this, this obsession with the black penis. Yeah. So I would argue that part of the reason that scene is so mesmerized because you're right. Like all jokes aside, it really is a striking scene. Yeah. It is the visual. Yep. Like it, it is, it is the forbidden. It is, it is something that you, you, you don't see. You, you don't. It's the myth put on screen. It's the myth. Because it's, it's not only is it the black penis to be viewed, but it's all, it's, all the history and stories exactly and legend of the black myth right there in front of you and it it is it is that it is from that very sort of white racist perspective when you're talking about like what i've been thinking since since last week when we well a couple of weeks ago since i you know i said because i figured that if we did welcome home brother charles i need to be ready but in a lot of ways, it's almost a bookend to something like Get Out. Oh, interesting. Where like Get Out really touches on that primal fear that black people have of having our bodies stolen. Right. Like, and you know, obviously it's a straight line mm-hmm. to slavery that right. we have this. So, and I think that it really is when you look at how white people have been socialized mm-hmm. again since slavery. Yeah. That there is something very primal about this fear of white women getting hypnot like like again, let's be very clear. He literally hypnotizes these white women. Yeah, he does. But if I get it correctly, I mean he hypnotizes them I guess yeah, I guess he does because they get struck dumb. They get struck dumb and numb, when and he then he pants. gives them orders. Well, no, then he gives them the dick. Well, he has sex with the one woman. He has sex with two of them. I don't know if we see him have sex no. with the other two. No, he has se- he has sex with the with the cop that castrated him. He has right. sex with who her. was who was having the affair right. with his friend earlier. Right. I don't think they show him having sex with the other two. Okay. They show him drop his pants. All right. They don't show him have sex with the older woman. Right. They so they don't show him. They don't. They show I, I her, thought, she's I already in in his thrall. When do they show him with the prosecutor's wife? They don't show. Uh, I guess technically they don't show the sex. Right. They show him, but drop you his see pants. him drop his pants, and then you also see him as she is, you know, numb, numbified yeah. in front of in front of his magnificence. You see him as he did with the cop's wife, pull down her underwear. Okay. Which and then they are in an embrace, right? And right. You right. see her like giving way in right. that embrace. Got you. Okay. So that's the implication that they okay. are having. Sex. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But but he, he hypnotizes them with his black sexuality, and then he murders white men with it. Yes. And and again, the you know the documentary evidence of this fear 
is is forever. Yeah. Like again, and you know, all the way up to again, our our president talking about people getting raped, like right. all this right. rape talk. Whenever right. you know all so. So that, you know, get out is primal, this mm-hmm. primal black fear. Mm-hmm. Welcome home, brother Charles, is like this primal white fear. Yeah. So, like, I almost feel like you can take these two films and put together a care package mm-hmm. if people want to know how race in America works. Right. Like, like, like kind of the fear. Now, like you said, and, and, and I think you're absolutely, like, I think this may have been part of of his um this may have been this may have started as a student film like like the the execution is is amateurish at my most generous right but i think i'm fascinated by his sensibilities and and what he's because you know we're talking about the penis thing which is the biggest part of the film see what i did there see yes, what I did? i'm yes, trying I, to, I, trying I, to ease my way out of but but it's, they're, they're, they're right there the jokes are right there but i think there's a lot of stuff there as well i, I mean you, you know i think the fact that um even though he has this ability mm-hmm. he, he's he, his his life is a very very challenging life like like you he, think it's challenging he gets beat up by his, by the guy that like like it's almost like a commentary on black exploitation well films. yeah well okay it, it is challenging to right like he can't find a job he gets beat up by the dude who used to be his partner it, it's like you know like like i said for the first hour it is very much this standard black exploitation film. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen, you know, like randomly five non-specific black black exploitation films, like like, you know, unless you're talking about you, you know, like we were just watching uh, Dr. Black and Mr. Hyde. Like right. like if you just sort of standard black exploitation film, it's very much this, you, you know, you're double crossed, he goes to jail, he comes back, he gets revenge. Right. I mean, the thing's called Soul Revenge. Yeah, Soul Vengeance. But for a film called Soul Vengeance, he doesn't get a whole lot, or he doesn't, get, or he doesn't get complete vengeance. He does not. Like, like it very much. It's almost like Fanaka is well, saying, not to the end. I mean, even at the end. Well, technically, his vengeance—the vengeance he wanted was against those white people, right? The, those cops, the judge, and the prosecutor. So he got he got vengeance on them. He never. Um, Gets back against his boy, who who you know his partner, his old partner. No, no, but those those are people that he didn't right. want vengeance. And on. he doesn't get away. The implication is that he dies at the end. Yeah, it's just, it's a big implication. And and you know he doesn't have money. Um, for all of this stuff with with this super penis, like he's not really a super buck. Like I I found it really really. I, you know, interesting is one of those words that doesn't really mean anything. But I thought it was a it was a fascinating choice that his relationship with his lady mm-hmm. is actually kind of sweet and ordinary. It is very sweet. You keep waiting for the the like for the twist on like their relationship. Like he's not he doesn't have her climbing up the walls and and no. like it's a very and and again back to the quality of it. At some point, it's actually dull. Like they have the longest conversation about Chinese food. That I've ever witnessed 
that I wasn't involved in. Well, about it's, it's like you pointed out that this has the earmarks of a student film. I think that's all indicative in that first hour where I think he's just uh, Fanaka is basically just like fumbling around for one of these plot lines to go somewhere. But the scene that I'm talking about is after he gets out of prison. No, I know. Yeah, I know. But but he's, he gets out of prison within that first hour. Right, right, but I'm saying, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying, like, I, I think it's deliberate that he doesn't have this priest relationship with his lady. Like, I'm going to take you, and we got, like it's no love making in the bathtub and Curtis Mayfield playing. Okay, in the well, yeah, like it's right. just a very ordinary relationship. So that again, I think this reflects this um this fear. Of, of you know it's this black penis but the black penis is only hypnotizing and it's only murderous when it comes to white people what was taking me out like with black people it's just very or like that's just him and his that's just him and his girl what was taking me out was that i actually thought that the cop had actually castrated him right so my thinking especially when you see in that that first hour that him and his lady, who he basically has pulled off of the streets, yeah, and like you know, domesticized her, which uh, which I do think is, is has like a sweetness to it. Their story, yeah. but I thought it was made all the more sweet because you don't really get any hint of sexuality with them, mm-hmm. like at least overtly. Was that this was a relationship that was built on actual mutual? feelings for one another and not sex because in my mind he didn't have a penis right or if he did it was inoperable right you know um so that then when the worm turns on the other side (laughs) i see what you did there and the 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 white women are you know you know are just stunned in front of it when you when the first woman is stunned after he drops his pants, I'm like, oh, she's stunned because there's either nothing there or right. it's horribly mutilated. It's like a RB sandwich. Right. Yeah. So I'm waiting for her face to like all of a sudden recoil in horror. Right. But no, she turned into, I don't know, she looked like 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 Angie Dickinson when Sidney Poitier came over and she yeah. was just like, hey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um and next thing you know, she was like, she was high old silver. That's so, right. and ready uh, to receive orders. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, that first hour is so interminably slow. Yes. And boring. Yes. Um, but what hurts it more, and what I think ultimately hurts the film throughout, is that. Jamal Fanaka casting Marlo Monti mm-hmm. as the lead, yeah. as Charles. I mean, he brings nothing, yeah, to this table. There is, he is a, the blankest of slates there can be. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, he he, he he's a. He's a deer in the headlights most of the film. He is um, either soft-spoken. Even when he's trying to be angry, he still comes off just doesn't sound credible. Yeah. It's, he looks 
weird. He doesn't look like together in any type of way. I'm not saying like you've got to be like, you know, nobody's going to be Fred Williamson or Bernie Casey. Not everybody can be them on the screen. But he doesn't even have like there's no humor to him that doesn't look like there's a whole lot of intelligence to him and he's not played to, to have any intelligence. Yeah, I mean, you know, the cast is completely forgettable. The cast is forgettable. However, he... The cast is forgettable. He is regrettable. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's doing nothing. There's nothing there. So much so that that first hour... Which admittedly he's not in a whole lot because the first hour could could literally be the the pilot for some white cop show, right? Like this, the white cops is they're on display for most of the movie, right? For that first hour, you're like, I was seriously watching this. Did I did I get the right movie? Which I have to say, because again, I am going to say I do think that the plot choices were deliberate. I like the fact that he spent time talking about the psychology of the police and particularly the okay, police. And, and that's true. Yes. Who, yes, yes you yes. know, whose whose wife is cheating on him. Yeah. So yeah. That, I, did, I did like, you that. know, I appreciate it. And that. I actually no, no. And I actually didn't mind spending that time with those cops. It's right. just that it had me thinking, did I was, is this right. the right film? And they're the best actors in the film. Yeah. That's the shame of it. Yeah. They are the best actors yeah. in, in the film, which, which ain't saying much. Which is not because they're not good, right? But um, it's it, but it's just a shame that like you know, Marlo is uh, Mar- Mr. Monty is uh, really just like giving nothing to Fanaka. So I don't know whether or not like he was his friend or anything like that. Right? Uh, how how that casting choice was made? Right? But um, I don't think Fanaka will work with anybody with any type of real charisma until you get to Penitentiary. Right. I mean, you know, he really only makes two films before Penitentiary. There, there's Emma May, which is which was retitled Black Sisters Revenge. Oh, did he do that? Yeah, which is actually more exciting than this. Okay. Like, like, but it's but even that, and and then you're right. Then you get to Penitentiary with Leon Isaac Kennedy. with Leon Isaac Kennedy, which turns. Into a bit of a phenomenon. It does. You know? It spawned a I mean, successful two sequel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah two it was sequels. two. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I argue that Penitentiary is one of the last black exploitation films. And when you get to Penitentiary 2, there's a marked shift in, oh, yeah. in tone. In tone. And everything where Penitentiary 2 is now an 80s movie. An 80s action film. Right. So. Yes, it, it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Which actually disappointed me. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, because you know. I was like wanting a little bit more of that grit of the first penitentiary. Right. But right. Absolutely. But the, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get there. We'll get to penitentiary as well as penitentiary, too. We shall. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think you are. I like this film. I like the concept of this film a lot. The idea of the I film like, I is love, very right. right. Is I love the cool. idea of this film a lot. And this is a film I would. This is another film that I wouldn't mind somebody taking a crack at and remaking it. Remaking yeah. it. Yeah. Because and then the other thing, you, you know, I'm surprised it hasn't come up yet because I was waiting for you to say it. I grouped this with Get Out, but I think the other way, the other thing. That I think this film is very much a response to Sweet Sweet Back's badass song. 
like how do you this think sort- it's a response well, to it? I think it's this examination of 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 the mystique mm-hmm. of black male sexuality. Mm-hmm. But where Van Peebles romanticizes it mm-hmm. so that by the end Sweetback is is this folk hero mm-hmm. that you know he gets away and and the whole community rallies behind him and this, that, and the other. Fanaka has Charles almost at the opposite end of the spectrum where, where, like I said, you know, yes, he has this, this magic radioactive penis, but when you really kind of add up the pros and cons of it, he, he has, he lives a very ordinary life mm-hmm. with his lady. Um, yes, he does get his revenge, but there's no monetary gain. Mm-hmm. The, 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 I would argue the most personal revenge, which is his friend betraying him. He doesn't get any revenge on him. Mm. He dies at the end. Mm -hmm. So he, you know, he's actually jailed for three years so that, you know, I almost feel like Fanaka is saying there, there's no real gain with this. Like you see in sweet, Sweetback's badass song. Okay. Maybe. Also, if Sweet Sweetback's badass song is at the beginning of the black exploitation period, right? And this is close. This well, is seventy five, the middle. So that this is a point where a, a lot of these films are now commenting on black exploitation, and you know, this I, I see this is commentary on black exploitation as well. Like this whole myth of this super buck and this that and the other has nothing to do with actual life here on the ground. And this is something that he shared with, you know, certainly Charles Burnett, but, you know, other members of the L.A. Rebellion that, you know, we're not interested in these superhero films mm-hmm. like we want to reflect what's actually going on on the ground. So I saw that. I see these two films grouped together as well. OK, I don't. OK, but, you know, well, I know um, I see this uh, in a category. I, I do see the commentary that it's offering. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the fact that Brother Charles, while he does die at the end, he dies at the behest of his girlfriend, if I heard her cry. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, she tells him to jump. Like, like, jump. Yeah. So He's on a roof and the police right. have him cornered. So I see it kind of like playing a little bit, to some degree, you know, you cut that the, that hour off. It's, it's Sweetback maybe done a little bit better in that he becomes – she wants him to kill himself because he will then become the folk hero. Right. He will be – he will become the, the, the myth, the legend that oh. will live well, on. Well, that's interesting. You know what I mean? Okay. Because that's how I saw that. Oh, that's an interesting read. You know what I mean? Yeah. And to me, that is actually probably um, – more um, provocative than sweet sweets ending because to me the sweet sweet is just is glorifying a, a a dummy right you know what I mean and while this actor in in brother Charles doesn't bring anything to the role there is some meat in the character as written yeah 
for it to be actually something to be appreciated. Just like you said, his relationship with his lady, him turning himself around after those three years. Right. You know, and being staunch in, in like, no, I'm going to be about, you know, I want to be about doing things right. I don't want my lady doing this, you know, right, everything right. like that. So there actually is more of his character to be championed than anything about sweet, sweet back right you know what i mean so i actually see this if if you were going to compare the two this is you know getting it right to a sort right like well I, said, I think that's what jamal finaka would say that's exactly what i'm saying well, okay well yeah all right well is that a commentary well i guess that maybe it's a commentary yeah. on it maybe yeah i guess you know yeah I, let I me think, show you how this should be done or you know again i think at the um at a, a more generous reading because you know i hate to pit these two brothers against each other right it might even be commentary on on what we've talked about how people took the messages mm. in yeah. sweet sweetbacks badass song and then turned it into the cartoons right that were basically made between that and 75 which is not hard to imagine because the problem with sweet sweetback is that the story is a freaking cartoon right and as and as bad as this one is again welcome home brother charles there is more of a narrative there right and it's more grounded well a lot more believe grounded, it or not even with the radioactive radioactive <laughs> knife yeah. that you know lances the penis right to right cause you know uh uh digzilla <laughs> you probably shouldn't Google Dickzilla. No, probably take you somewhere that you don't necessarily no. want to be. So you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, welcome home, brother Charles. Is not. It's a black. I guess it's a black sci-fi movie. It's absolutely black science fiction. I don't know if I call it Afrofuturism. Is is it black people? Is it in a that sci- that, is, black sci-fi doesn't is necessarily it, mean that it has, is it within an extraordinary context commenting on or reflecting a black theme? Yes. Then, then, then I think you have. I, think, I don't know if that makes it Afrofuturistic. It's black. I mean, why, you don't think there's a difference between black sci-fi and Afrofuturism? I think Afrofuturism is a type of black science fiction. I think. Um, I think Afrofuturism is a term that is um, very malleable, and none of us have actually agreed on what it actually is. We agreed on what it ain't, and it ain't Welcome Home, Brother I, Charles. I, look, in my, I was about to say, I think it's science fiction. It's, it's science fiction. You know, it's. I mean, you pulling it's, up it's, them. It's a it's a black you, you, woman. You like that, right? You like that, right? Yeah. What the hell? Okay, I, I give you that. Right. It's sci-fi. Um. It's a black theme again. This this American obsession with the black penis, like this is very like this is not Will Smith and I Robot. No, it's not. Like this is actually some black stuff. It is. So you know, it's um. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's Mandingo. I mean, it, it, again, he just cuts to the chase. He does. Like he just cuts to the chase. Like like all of this, you know, talking around it and 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 again at this point in seventy five it's it's reached this crescendo. Like you're talking about Mandingo, like you can just go down the line. All these films where it's black men having sex with these white women and the white women lose their minds. Mm-hmm. 
and the white men go crazy about it. So, you know, yeah, Jamafanak was like, well, I mean, you know, it. let's just go ahead and do it. Look, it's it's magical and, and it's and it's and it's hypnotizing. And then it can murder men. So here it is. Just, just allow me to whip it out. <laughs> Excuse me while I whip Excuse it. me while I whip it out. And again, I think that it's such a powerful image that is the only example that I've ever seen or heard of where it's discussed this directly. Oh, there you go. So, you know. Welcome home, Brother Charles, ladies and gentlemen. It can be found on brown sugar. We haven't. Did, so would you recommend it? Like you had, I mean, would you recommend it? Yeah, because I, I do think that scene deserves to be seen. So I actually like the jail sequence, too. The black and white jail sequence. I like it because it's interesting. Yeah. But it does nothing for the story. Right, right, right. But I mean, it's it's you know, good film. It shows jail. Yeah. Like jail is bad. Yeah. yeah. But um, so you would recommend Welcome Home, Brother Charles? I would recommend it because of that scene. But I will tell you this. What you should do is go to IMDb, read the plot summary, then go to Brown Sugar on Amazon if you have if you're a Prime customer. Bring up Welcome Home, Brother Charles. Fast forward that first. Watch the first thirty minutes. I don't think you can fast forward. Like, I like I think I think you have to get to it. Like, I think it actually has. Well, go ahead. You finish. I'm sorry. You I'm can. sorry. It is your part. Go ahead. I, I apologize. I think you can fast okay, go forward ahead. that at least watch the first fifteen twenty minutes and fast forward another forty minutes and then rock and roll. Fast forward to you'll see a scene where Charles and his lady are sitting there watching TV. That's when the movie begins. I would recommend. Welcome home, brother Charles. But actually, what again? Like I said a little while ago, like I feel like I want everyone to watch Welcome Home, brother Charles the first time to get it out their system, and then go back and watch it again. Should they watch it like you did? We're drunk. Well, with an audience. <sighs> I think that's a good way to watch it because it, again, the audacity of it. Like, yeah. like, like it is good to look at somebody and say. Am I seeing what I think? Like, is this actually because that that scene that you're talking about is so powerful if you don't know that's what's about to happen? Right. That's true. And again, they've kind of set it up in the previous scenes. But because you've been trained to watch black exploitation a certain way, you think that this is just another example. You know, this is Dolomite saying, you know, tell me where the house is. You know, mm-hmm. this is Shaft getting information from you you know the 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 gangster's girlfriend right you know you've seen versions of this but then again like i said for 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 naka to just strip it all the way to the purest image Mm -hmm. is amazing and then like yeah i think if you see it with somebody else it's like are are you seeing this so Yeah, fair enough. So yeah. So yes. So I. So you were recommended. I do recommend it, and, and you know, I almost wanted to say at the beginning, like this is a spoiler episode, but I think this is a film where where it's almost too much to like. I, I really leaned on the brand last week when I said we were doing it. Like I'm. I've, I hope that we've built up enough credibility mm-hmm. that people just watched it, but. But it's like I almost you almost have to spoil it 
so that yeah. people will sit through it. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah, you do. Because otherwise, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna check out. Like, what? Why are we? Like you said, did I get the right movie? Like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so, so yeah. Welcome home, brother Charles. All right, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, it is streaming on Amazon Prime, their Brown Sugar channel. So go check that out. Yeah. Um, Might be on YouTube too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't. Can they show that on YouTube? Uh, I don't think they can. Well. I don't think they can show that on YouTube. Um, but we got to get out of here next week. Yeah, we will be bringing you our review of Harlem Nights with Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, Red Fox, Della Reese, whole group of people. Really dope movie that we are going to be uh, reviewing next week. All right. Um, please email us at mission Michelle at Michelle Mission at gmail.com. Also, like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Michelle Mission or Mission Michelle. Either way, you'll find your way there. And check us out on Saturdays at 1 p.m. streaming live and direct in a very truncated version of the, of the show. So I guess it won't be live. But it's streaming on WPPM LP 106.5 FM People Power Media here in Philadelphia and Camden on your FM dial and on phillycam.org. That's 1 p.m. every Saturday as well as you can find the Michelle Mission on the Podglomerate Podcast Network. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, if you found this show on the Black Tribbles Podcast Network, like Katie, uh, I regret to tell you that this will is indeed the last week that the Michelle Mission will be part of that network. We are moving off of Black Tribbles. We are going to be riding into this, uh, riding out there on our own, as well as on the Podglomerate Podcast Network. Um, We've enjoyed our time on Black Tribbles, we, you know, and we will, well, you know, we're always going to be Tribbles. I'm, yes. Of course, the Bat Tribble, and Vince is Jack Tribble. I am. Um, so we will always, first and foremost, be Tribbles, and we'll still get some comic book talk and geeky stuff out there because it's what we do. Um, but you'll have to either go to Podglomerate or just, you know, Subscribe to us. Subscribe to the show. That's the best yes, way to find please us. Please do. That's the best way to find us. That way you never have to worry about whether or not the show gets posted because it'll always be downloaded and refreshed for you every Wednesday. Okay? All right. We got to get out of here. My name is Len. His name is Vince. And in parting, we say, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. time to better do it's been a pleasure knowing you i'll see you when it's time to meet again
Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, and style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco? That's with your hands? With your hands. Also with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Support Black Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen.